Welcome to Camp Glory's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message by Pastor Sam Fine. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. And I really think in this new year, God wants us to rethink church. He really wants us to rethink why are we doing what we're doing and what's effective and what's not. Let's look at the big picture and think, is is this, if, if Jesus visited our church today, would he really like what he sees? Would he really enjoy what's going on? Or would he challenge us? Why, why did you say that? Why are you acting like that? Well, I like that. You know, I mean, the, the whole thing is I, I know that Jesus is, is always about us seeing things through his eyes. You know, Jesus said this in Matthew 5, verse 38. He says, you've heard it, that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He said, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person. He wasn't, try, he wasn't trying to change the rule of law of, of that time, the court system. What had happened, though, is, is the Jewish people had had taken the law of God and they 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 tried to apply it to their personal lives not allowing the court system to rule out or rule in a certain situation people were saying you know what let's take that law and apply it to our personal life so when somebody comes up against you if they strike you you knock them down an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth so basically it was enabling people to take out revenge. You could take out revenge on people. You could get back. You know, if they hit you, you hit them back just as hard. And Jesus is saying, no. That's not what I'm, I'm wanting you to do. That's not the character. That's not the way that I want you to live your life. I'm always feeling like you've got to get back. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. Back then it was by law in the Jewish canons that um, that there was a pecuniary fine that was that was given to people. If you took your open hand and slapped somebody across the face, you'd be fined. And if you took your hand on the backside and slapped them, it would be a double fine. So if you slap somebody with an open hand, it was 200 zuzum. And that was a coin. Basically, a zuzum is $3.50 today. So you could find somebody 200 zuzum if you had slapped them with an open hand. So what would that mean? You could go to the court system if somebody slapped you and you get 750 bucks. Not a bad day, huh? So if you did it on the backside, double. But he's saying, if somebody slaps you, don't go get your money. Just turn your cheek. Don't take out revenge. So he began to, to get into people's thinking to rethink. Well, you, you're taking the law and you're applying it to your personal life. That's not the way I, I want you to do it. 
He says, if anyone wants to sue you, take your shirt. To take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go a mile, go with him too. Roman law throughout Israel, there was markers throughout the city. Markers that were for one mile around all of the roads in all of Israel. And by Roman law, if a soldier came along and he had a heavy load and he had a, had a Jewish man standing there, he'd say, take my load. And you were required to take the Roman soldier's load and walk a mile to carry his stuff. And Jesus says, no, don't go just a mile. Go two. Go ahead. Go two. Let them see that you're different. You're not just doing this just because you have to. Go the extra mile. He says, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You know, for a Jew not to hate his enemy is a big deal. And Jesus is saying, love your neighbor. And it says, hate your enemy. But he says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be the sons of your father who's in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You know, Jesus did it another way. In Matthew 6, 25, he said, For this reason I say to you, be anxious for nothing. Don't don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear. He says, just look at the birds of the air. They don't, they don't sow. They don't reap. Don't, look, look at the lilies of the field. They don't toil. They don't spin. He says, I take care of the birds of the air. I take care of the lilies of the field. I'm going to take care of you. But I want you to do this. He says, I know having clothes is a big deal. Having food in your tummy is a big deal. But I want you to do this. I want you to first seek the kingdom. And then all these other things are going to be added unto you. So he's saying, put first things first. Think about seeking me with all of your heart. And then I'm going to take care of everything else. So he challenged the mindset of people. And how they were thinking, how they were operating. So we come to Luke 17, verse 7. I want you to go with me here in the scripture. Luke 17, verse 7 through 8. And as we venture into uh, today of, of the first pillar of our culture here at King of Glory, I want to read this verse to you. Because this, it, it, it's quite interesting verse because this parable is kind of, it, it, it seems like it just lands out of nowhere in the scripture. You're reading in, in chapter 17, your first, your first reading about, um, you know, the offenses that are going to come and woe to that one that offenses do come. And then Jesus says, you know, and there's, there's going to be, you know, brothers that are going to sin and, and you must forgive them. But not just forgive them one time, but forgive them seven times. Forgive them a lot of times. And then the disciples are like, Ooh, Lord, increase my faith. I don't know if I can keep forgiving like that. 
And then all of a sudden he shifts gears. And then he shares a parable. And I want to read this. Which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him, when he's come in from the field, come immediately and sit down to eat. But will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink. And afterward, you may eat and drink. I believe what Jesus is sharing in this portion of Scripture is he's wanting us to understand what is the primary reason and why we are coming to church. Why we come to church and gather together to to worship, to, to fellowship, to hear the word, to gather together. He's highlighting something that is so important. And and in this, I think it really comes into the face of, of an attitude that I believe is pretty prominent in the body of Christ. And I'm not going to say all churches are like this, but I believe that this is a, a common attitude in churches today. And that is this. What am I going to get out of church? There's a common thought of consumerism that is in church today. What am I going to get out of it? What is in this for me? Am I going to get fed? Are my needs going to get met? Are my children going to get met? Is, is all those things that are important to me. It's like churches become a food bar. And you just, you go down the food bar and you're like, I like that. I'll take that. And I like that. Mm-hmm. Don't like the lima beans. I'll stay away from them. But you like this. And in that, we, we have a consumer mentality that when we walk through the doors into the church, it's what I'm going to get, I'm going to receive, I'm going to be filled with. And instead, Jesus is saying this. You've been working out in your field all week long. And you're tired. And you're weary. And you've worked hard. And the first thing that you might think about when you come back in from the field is that you're hungry. You want something to eat. And he's saying, well, you know, the the parable talks about, well, we're going to sit down first and we're going to eat. And we're going to chew on what's good. And we're going to fill our tummies. And we're going to do what's best for me and myself. He's saying, you know what? I want you to rethink this. When you come to church, I want you to first prepare a meal for me. For the master. I want you to make a spread, a meal to where You put on your best clothes and you come in because your desire is for one thing. And that is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything within you wants to love God first because He's worthy of all of our praise. 
The first desire of your heart is to passionately be in love with Jesus, who is the one that we want to exalt and lift up on high. And when we come through the doors, it's not about, is the preacher going to preach a good message for me? It's about, how high can I exalt the God that I love? How high can I lift up the one that saved my life? How high can I lift up the one that delivered me from hell itself, who forgave me of my sin, who delivered me from from destruction? You know that God has rescued you, some of you, from hell itself. He snatched you out, and he delivered you, and he lifted you up and put you on solid ground. Some of you, he has restored your marriages. Some of you, he's brought back the prodigal sons and daughters. Some of you, he has given you a new hope in life. Some of you, he's beginning to restore your first love. Now listen, I mean, I couldn't have said it better. I mean, Becca's leading today. And all of a sudden, she's. I just feel like the Lord just wants to remind us of our first love. And I'm like, yes, God. We are to love God, period. He says, serve me. Love me. With all of your heart, it's not about you. If you'll seek first the kingdom, All these other things will be added. I'll take care of your children. I'll take care of your man. I'll take care of everything else. But are you madly in love with the master? Do you want his love more than life itself? I love reading Solomon says, your love is better than wine. Yeah, I'm not talking about just yeah, it's better than a good drink of wine. No, he's, he's trying to capture the fact that there's nothing that can even compare with the love of God. When his heart is, your heart is pulsating with wanting to come in. And you know what? I, I, I know we all have our favorite songs. And, and, and I know that we all have, you know, different, we're for, from different eras and seasons and times. And, and he, there's just a myriad of songs. But you know what? It's really hard for a worship team to get all your favorite songs on a Sunday morning. <laughs> it really is. I mean, that's, that's a huge undertaking. So instead of hanging your worship moment on if they hit it right, why don't you come in through the door thinking, God, I don't care what song, my heart is so in love with you that I'm going to make you the first place in my life. I'm going to love you with all of my heart. But you know what? Loving God with all of our hearts is 
our first ministry. Our first ministry is to love God. Uh, Some of you might say, well, I don't really know what my ministry is. Well, just let me tell you, your ministry is to love God. That's your ministry. Across the board, we all have it on our resume. My spiritual resume is I'm a lover of God first and foremost. So Jesus in this parable is challenging us to rethink how we do church. Are we going to be a God-centered church or a consumer church? Are we going to be a church that's thinking about us, myself, or we're going to think about God? Am I pleasing you today? Because I am so in love with you. And you know what? Love has to express itself. There's an expression to love. And it, it's, it's, we live and move and have our being in him. Sometimes love, you just got to kind of maybe lift your hands up a little bit. I do love you, God. I remember when it was, I really, I, I do remember there was a time when it was really tough for me to express myself. And I just had to get over it. Because, see, when, when the, I'm going to tell you, when I first, when I first found love, I was at a, a mainline uh, Presbyterian church in Wilmington, North Carolina that came into the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, Lindy Canyon will tell you that a traditional downtown Presbyterian church coming into the fullness of the Holy Spirit is a big deal. Right? And I'll never forget when I came to this church and... And people were lifting up their hands. And I'm like, oh, these people are so weird. I'm like, what is going on here? You know, I mean, and people raising their hands. And even some people were maybe doing a little two-step, you know. It was, I mean, it was, it was a stretch for me. But God began to, to, God began to speak to my heart. And I was going through a real painful season in my life and in, in relationships and and, and all of a sudden, I'll never forget the day, they had an altar call, and they had people come up for prayer. And I, and I went up for prayer, and I hadn't done that before, and that was a big deal for me. Everybody looking at me, you know. And, and they really had a prayer line, too. I mean, like the prayer line went all the way down the middle aisle, so I had to stand there, and everybody looking at me, like, oh, this is great. But finally, I get up there, and I just say, you know what? I'm just hurting, and I I just need more of God. All I know is the love of the Father. I understood God is love, and I read about God is love, and I know it was true, but it wasn't an experiential reality. And for the first time, the love of God came into my heart and exploded. And I was so consumed in the love of God, I wept, I cried, I even went down on the ground, 
I did not get up for four hours. I'm not kidding you. I was on the ground for four hours, consumed by the love of God. I felt surges of love pulsating through my whole body. And, and I, I, I couldn't get up off the floor. I mean, I was so overcome. Love wrecked me. He wrecked me. He marked me. And from that day forward, my greatest pursuit in life is to be in his presence and to experience his love for me. Bar none, having the love of the Father set abroad in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit is the greatest wonderful gift given to mankind. That God, the God of the universe, is going to explode in your heart and show you you're a son, you're his daughter, and he loves you. And not only does he love you today, he's going to love you tomorrow. And this love keeps growing in our hearts. It's like you're fanning a flame. It's like you're, you're, it's like you're falling in love all over again. And it's like, I can't wait to get up and be with him. And have his love just be pouring into my heart. Where Jesus is the main attraction and the one thing I desire. He is like the big Shazam. And I am like in love with him. So when we come into the church, we're not coming in thinking, this is just a religious service, doing my duty. No. You get to love God. You get to serve him a meal. And then it says, when he's satisfied, whoo, look out. It's like dinner time. He's like wanting to pour it on you and the bowls of heaven are turned upside down and he's like, my sons and my my daughters, I'm getting ready to have a party with you. And so in that, he says, you do this first and I'll take care of you. So are you grateful for what the Lord has done for you? He saved you. He's delivered you. He's healed. Some of you, he's broken the addictions in your life. You got a lot of reasons to be absolutely enamored and in love with God. He broke the power of addiction. He's broke the power of of negativity. You know, some of you have just been negative. It's like no one wanted to be around you for a long time, and now they all do because you're in love. You don't have to worry about it. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 through 8 says this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 through 8. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, the proof of your faith. Listen to this. You want to prove your faith? which is more precious than gold, which is perishable, uh, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you've not seen him, what does that say? You love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible 
and full of glory. Yes. Did, am I still on? Okay. You love him. Maybe God just wanted to highlight that one. I don't know. I you love him. Turn up just a smidgen. Um, you love him. You haven't seen him. Now, I do know of one person in my life that Jesus actually did visit her and sat down with her. And I said, how long? She said, well, about an hour or two. <laughs> well, I do. I, I'll tell the story. The, uh, Dolores Winder, um, I was in her, I was in her, um, her den. She had a den on the side of her house and I was sitting down there and, and I was noticing that all the roses that I had given her over the years that she had turned them upside down and dried them in that den. Cause she, she says, I really loved it when you sent me roses. So she would have them dried up in there and, and uh, I said, I can't believe you kept all these roses. And we were just talking about Jesus. And, and the Lord visited her several times um, as she was in, um, in the hospital. Her last time when the Lord visited her, she was laying there. And all of a sudden, the Lord says, I'm not through with you yet. You're coming home soon, but I'm not through with you yet. And she recovered uh, in the hospital the doctors actually were saying over her, well, she's going to die. Jesus said, no, you're not. So, but I said, so you really had Jesus come. You've really had Jesus come visit you. She said, she said, right in this room. I went, really? She said, yeah, I was sitting in this um, den and I, I heard kind of a wrestling in the other room one day. And, and I knew someone was in the house. And then all of a sudden, Jesus come walking right into the den and he and he sat down with her for about almost two hours and he talked to her about the things to come. And he just talked to her about all the wonderful things that are are that are gonna be there for her when she enters into glory, but he just began to reveal to her the mysteries. And and I said, he actually sat right in here? Yeah, he sat right in here. And so I know that people have had personal visitations, but I don't think it's real common. You know, has anyone here had Jesus like show up in your room? Okay. So we've had, we've had, he, he does come. I mean, it does happen. I mean, right now in all in, uh, in the Middle East, he's showing up to Muslims all the time right now in dreams. He's showing up because it's his, he's coming back. And he's saying, I want you. So in that, majority of the people, like myself, have not seen him. Although I long to, I've not seen, he has not yet come and sat with me yet. But even though I don't see him right now, I love him. I love him. My heart pants for him. Like a deer pants for the water brook. So my soul pants for you, O God. My heart wants to love him. Because Jesus has given me life. He's given me a purpose. He's given me a hope. He's given me a future. 
And in that, I have to express myself to him. So Mark 12, 28, I want to kind of, haven't even gotten to half of what I'm going to talk about today, but it's all right. Mark 12, verse 28 through 30. Let's look at that. Mark 12, 28. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing. A scribe is basically a lawyer. Only a lawyer could do this, too. You know, it's like, come on. I'm like, he had the guts to challenge Jesus, you know. And recognizing that he answered them well. Well, he said, well, I'll a lawyer ask you a question. He said, what commandment is the foremost of all? And Jesus answered, the foremost is, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then the Lord said, well, that's a pretty good answer. <laughs> so shut him up. So, uh, so how do we do this? How do you love God like that? How do you love him with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul and strength? You know, I do believe that our love for God is to be passionate, is to be extraordinary. It's, it's, it's to be expressive. It, it needs to be extravagant, and it needs to even move our bodies. Like I said, take a step, lift up your hands. You know, there needs to be some expression. You know, there are too many things in life that are mediocre, and our love for God should not be one of them. Really. Our love for God should not be mediocre. You ought to be white hot, on fire, passionately in love with Jesus. And there's no other else, no other way. You know, I have to be honest with you. I, I kind of do like love stories. I, I do. I actually like to watch Pride and Prejudice and, and movies like this. And my girl's like, Dad, you like to watch that? Yeah, I do. I like to watch. So, I mean, I, you, you can ask them. I like Pride and Prejudice. I, I like a good love story. And, but you know what? God is the best author of any love story ever written. And, and, and you know what the love story is all about? It's about you being made in his image. You're made in the image of God. That is the beginning right there of one of the most beautiful love stories ever written. That you are made in the likeness and in the image of God. He created you to love you. He created you because he liked you. Before the foundation of the world, he thought about you and he had you in mind before he birthed you. It is the single thing on his mind. But it says that we're to love the Lord thy God with all of our heart. So what does that mean? I'm going to give you a little secret. He wants all of your heart. 
all your heart. And he wants you to give him all of your heart. He wants you to give him the affections of your heart. Basically, he's saying this. Are you all in or not? Are you all in? All of you is in him. Oh, really? I mean, I got to give him all? Mm -hmm. All. All of your heart. You know, it's not like, you know, you put your left foot in and your right foot out and your left foot in and you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey and you, you know, he doesn't want you to do the hokey pokey with him. He doesn't want you to put one foot in and one foot in the world. He doesn't want you to love him, but also love the passions of the world. He wants you to be in all of you and not just part of you. You know, he doesn't want you to date him. You remember what it was like when you were dating? Now, just kind of let's go back in time before you were married. When you were dating, you know what it means to be all in. You know that? Some of you were partially in and you had a back door that you left open because you wanted to have options. Right? Come on, let's be honest. When you were dating, you weren't all in. You wanted to have some options. I don't know if this is the right person or not. So I just want to make sure I'm going to keep the back door open. Come on. Some of you are laughing, but I know it's true. You go from one to the other to the other. Eh, I don't like that one. They don't, they snore. I, whatever. You know, it's just that you you just you just are not all in. He's saying, are you in or you not? I don't need any hokey pokey. I want all of you in, all of your heart. So do you love him with all of your heart? You know what it means? It, it means reserving your full affection for him. All of your affections are for him and him alone. You are absolutely in love with him more than anyone or anything else. All of your affections are centered on Him. So are you making time for Him? You know, time really speaks about if you really love somebody. Time really can be equated to the measure of your love. Do you like spending time with Him? Do you like being with him in prayer? Do you like hearing his voice? Do, do you want to know the mysteries of heaven? Do you, do you are, are, are you pushing out all of those distractions to solely focus in on him and love him and him alone? 
Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.